There's a force in your life, whether you like it or not, and there's a force in all of our lives that directly or indirectly influences every decision we make. Whether it's something grandiose and high level like, you know, a religion or, or something of that nature, or whether it's something dependent or independent on religion, say, government. Government influences our lives. There's other influences in your life too, say, the people who share information or the people you get information from, academia or slash the media. And still yet, a lot of people, well, they look to their community for guidance on how they should be or how they act or what their values and beliefs are. And if not the community, most people, and I would say a large majority of people are heavily influenced by family. And I don't mean like your mom and dad your whole life, but you certainly are influenced by your children and your brothers and sisters, right? But mom and dad, they have a huge influence on your life. And, you know, there's another group of people that we don't think about very often that influence our life. We think that we impact theirs more than they impact ours. And that group of people is the workplace. The people who are in your life that you work together with day in, sometimes in day out. So you go there early in the morning, you spend your whole life there, and then at the end of the day you come home. And you, go, you, you, you get to see your family. And that's why you do it. That's why you put up with those people at work to be a part of a family. But not everybody has the same kind of family. And that scares us. That, that makes us feel as though maybe if that person doesn't have a family, we don't have a family. And if we look up to that person, we think, well, if this person who I idolize and who I regard as much greater than I didn't have a family, then... I'm afraid I may never have a family. And so I might deny that somewhere in my own mind. And when I talk about the person, I just naturally assume they have a family. And as my story goes to someone else, they believe what I told them. They think that the person had a family. And the subject of this podcast today is just that kind of person. Someone whose story was captured by people who idolized him. And so they made up a little bit of a legend about him having a child. You know, but I'm here to tell you he never did. He was born a free man in New Jersey prior to the Civil War. And he worked for the Union Army during the Civil War. And he was dispatched by the Union Army down to Virginia until after the Civil War, when, surprise, surprise, that powerful government that you are so loyal to decided you now have to stay in war-torn Virginia during a very heated and contested time frame. Oh, and by the way, we don't really have a lot of money to pay you. We fought this war to free the slaves, 
but we haven't really understood what it's like to, you know, pay people what they're worth. We haven't got to that point yet. Fair wages is still four or five centuries, four or five decades away. So, Mr. Family Man from New Jersey, you're down here alone. You've got no family. You've got now no community because the community you're in looks at you as an occupying force. And you know what? The occupying force that they look at you as being a part of, well, they don't even think you're part of their occupying force themselves. And in fact, you know you're just a civilian worker. Your job is probably to, you know, pick up bodies off of battlefields and bury them or maybe do some kind of, you know, labor Probably you're working on uh, some kind of road building or railroad building. But you live in a, a, a work camp of other people who you don't know you just happen to be working next to. And you go to work all day. And at the end of your day, you decide, you know, I think I'm going to take a little bit of food. Which, by the way, I didn't get any food today at work and I didn't have time this morning for breakfast. But I don't get paid well. So now I've got to take the only compensation I have and I've got to pay for myself a place to stay in a work camp. And I'll maybe go into town. A town where you just rolled through with an army. And that army, they didn't exactly just leave things the way they were. They burnt ground. They scorched earth as they went through. They tore everything down. The local people who you will be going to shop from have had to rebuild. They don't have the conveniences of having a home separate from their workplace now. They actually have to live upstairs and sell goods out of the storefront downstairs. And if you walk in and you don't show them their communal respect, if you don't have that kind of handshake system of values and beliefs, well, they're not going to like you. There's a lot of spite. There's a lot of anger built up. And if you come out with some fresh union greenbacks, well, what do you think is going to happen? What's going to go through that store owner's mind? Well... Maybe they'll make an accusation, like as if you never paid with those greenbacks, that maybe you got the store owner got those greenbacks from somebody else and you just happen to be holding on to some of the goods that I sell. Well, it's real easy for me to approach a union officer roaming the streets to keep the peace and say, oh, that fella, he just stole from me. He's a thief. And remember, those union officers, they don't even think you're part of their occupying force. They still look at you as a them, a they, an other. So it's really easy for them to believe the store owner. Why wouldn't the store owner just randomly accuse this guy of theft? Well, I'm not even going to question this individual that's a hard-working man. No, I'm just going to take the store owner's word. I'm going to throw some shackles on this guy, and I'm going to take him over to the prison, the jail. And that's what happened. John William Henry was imprisoned for theft. Maybe he actually stole because he didn't get paid well. Maybe he didn't steal. He paid with what little resources he had. But he was accused, not just of a small 
you know, petty theft crime, but rather because the store owner lived upstairs, now it's burglary. You robbed his house. And burglary means felony. And felony means you can live in a prison now for more than a year or maybe the rest of your life. Well, they don't actually have to decide how long you'll be in prison for quite some time, so before you even get sentenced, you'll spend some time in jail. And then finally, when you do get sentenced, do you think it's going to be a judge and jury of your peers? No. It's going to be a military tribunal. And by the way, the tribunal means one person, not a group of people. <laughs> It'll be a person who's in charge of the military occupation of Virginia at the time and that person has to hear as a commissioner not as a judge but as a commissioner about a thousand cases how much time do you think he's going to spend on your case none you're just going to be thrown into jail for life he burglarized someone home oh I don't even know the need to know the details he's a thief he's a burglar we need to make sure he doesn't do that he's a harm to society we're going to send him to jail to prison to the Virginia State Penitentiary right there in Richmond <laughs> and so there John Henry was in the penitentiary and some other governmental official decided, hey, you know, life is really hard in these post-Civil War Southern prisons for these people. Maybe I could come up with some kind of solution, a solution where everybody wins, you know, like they can get out of prison. And hey, you know what? My uh, governor buddy over here, he needs some people to work on the railroads. It just so happens. Why don't we lease out the people from the prison to work on the railroads? The rail the government can earn money from the railroads. The railroads could save money. And you know what? My governor has decided as well that, you know, one of the things our fine state of Virginia needs is 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 a railroad that stretches from the Chesapeake all the way over to the Ohio. Yeah, sure, we got to cross over a couple of uh, mountain ranges, but there's three ways to do that. You can either go over the mountain, or you can go around the mountain. And these guys, these guys, they're going to help us go through the mountain. And when you go through a mountain, you need a tunnel. And to build a tunnel, you're not talking about a tunnel big enough for a man to walk through. No, not at all. You're talking about a tunnel big enough to allow for a huge steam engine to roll through. And so that means you're going to need a lot of these folks. You can't just let them out there by themselves. Uh, they'll end up running away, so we're going to chain them together. And that's what happened. They chained people like John Henry to one another, and they gave them an axe. Or a hammer, I should say. A hammer that looks a lot like a pickaxe. A ten-pound maul of steel that they would bring up over their head and bring right back down to a, a drill that was handheld by somebody else. And they would do that over and over again. And these gangs of chained-up individuals, these chain gangs, they didn't take kindly to people who decided they wanted to work hard or faster. I mean, you're working out in the humid, bug-infested south, hammering down on some hand drills. 
Oh, by the way, the hand drills just simply bored out little holes for them to put a new technology called dynamite into those holes so they could blow them. And when they blew those holes open, the axes were switched out for shovels and pickaxes so that they could bring all those rocks down and move them out so that you could finish the tunnel. But, nonetheless, they would have to bring these axes up above their head and come right back down, just like you might imagine from the, the old stories of John Henry. And in order for everybody to cooperate along the line when they're chained together, you have to do it all at the same time. You don't want one guy doing four beats a minute when the next guy is doing just two beats a minute because then you have a chaos and everybody's moving everywhere. And you know what would else would also help? It would help us something would help us make the go day go by a little better, like a song. And John Henry and his guys would sing songs all day long and they would fashion the lyrics to the beats. Sometimes the lyrics would, you know, take a take a jab at the the, the labor foreman that was in charge of them, or, or the government, or something like that, obviously. But um, these chain gangs are the ones that were responsible for bringing the railroads through from places like Virginia all the way over to Ohio so goods could flow in through the rivers inward into the, the nation as it expanded more and more westward post-Civil War. They must have taken a lot of pride in their work, wouldn't it be prideful? I mean, I don't know if you've ever done work in your life. If you're sitting here listening to me, you might never have done an ounce of work in your whole life. But if you have, if you've ever done something, I don't know, I don't care. Maybe it's just mow the grass. You know, you, you work hard at it all day or maybe just for an hour or 10 minutes. I don't know who you are. But let's say you do it. You get sweaty. You put a lot of effort into it. Once you're done and you look back on that work, man, aren't you proud? Isn't there something just ingrained in all of us that once we do a job and once we feel like we have done a job well and the job is done, we look back and we say, hey, I did that. I mean, heck, take a ride sometime with a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician, especially if you're in Las Vegas where I'm from. I guarantee you, if you're with them, they'll talk about, oh, how I did this. I put the AC unit in this. I did the roofs on this building. Oh, we built those houses. I did that. I built that road. I was the guy that went down and tested the dirt there. I was the guy who brought in all the gravel when we built I, you know, the 215 bypass in Vegas. Can you imagine if you're labor consisted of hammering an axe through a mountain when that kind of labor had never been done before and when you look back in on this massive tunnel you built man the pride you must have taken and time and time again you worked hard on that railroad when all of a sudden the source of your pride becomes say challenged by newer technology say a steam engine or a steam drill, a drill or hammer that could be driven by the power of steam and not the power of muscles. You don't need a whole line of chain gain workers if all you need is some heat and some water and some pipes and some hoses and a little bit of steel. You'd feel a little threatened and you'd want to take some pride in what you do. So you'd want to look at your foreman and say, foreman, you know, I don't really like you. I really don't like you, but I'm going to show you my value in life. I'm going to show you my value. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to beat this steam drill. Put that steam drill on the other side of this mountain. 
Me and the guys, we'll come in from this side of the mountain, and we'll show you we can get deeper than that thing can get any day. And that's what John William Henry would be more immortalized for, his work against the steam drill. They started that steam drill up on one side of the mountain. They started John Henry on the other. And John Henry worked and worked that tunnel until he beat the steam drill. And once it was decided that John Henry was faster, there was just no more life in his body. He fell over. It wasn't through exhaustion, though. I mean, in some degree, one of the symptoms may have been exhaustion. It was probably due to something called silicosis, a condition that miners and coal workers develop. A black lung is what you might be able to recognize it as. Uh, as you're drilling through a mine and you're breathing in all that silt and sand and dirt and rock, it just collects in the bottom of your lungs and eventually you run out of space to breathe. And you literally suffocate yourself to death. And that's what happened with John Henry. And you think this man who was a hero of the labor movement, that he would be picked up and carted off by his whole, his whole group of chain gang workers, and he would be, uh, you know, funeralized in a grand grave with a huge statue, maybe even some kind of memorial or something like that, that people from all across the land would come and see John Henry, the guy who beat the steel drill, the steam drill. No, that didn't happen at all. He was buried in the sand in a ditch at the Virginia Penitentiary where he was sentenced to originally. He died without having children. He never had a wife. And he died a man enslaved after fighting a war to free men of being enslaved. Hey, but what do I know? I'm just a truck driver, right? What I'm going to do is refer you to another source about John Henry's life because I believe the truth is somewhere between what I'm talking about and what Arthur Bell talks about in his original song, John Henry. Now, John Henry by Arthur Bell was published in the early 1900s, so it's a little closer to the events of the time. I suffer from something you call presentism, you see, so I'm probably a little biased. Not to mention, there's a lot of other reasons why I would be biased. But Arthur Bell, he sang a song that told you about the legend of John Henry, and you're going to hear some things. You're going to hear about how John Henry, the man of the legend, he had a wife and a child, and all he was was a worker man on the railroad, and he was contributing to a grander thing. And even after he passed away, his wife went up on the hill, told him to dig him out, and uh, was responsible for making sure that he was buried in the White House and uh, memorialized. And, uh, you know, it alludes to maybe after John Henry passed that maybe one of his children would go on and do the same thing. There's not necessarily an untruthfulness or an incorrectedness there, right? I mean, people did in those days do what their family did. If you were from a railroad family, you started working in the railroad when you got older. Just like today, my brother is a grocery store manager. I pretty much am sure that several of his family members have started either in retail, grocery, or, or some level of customer service at that level. And I'm here to tell you, I guarantee 
that he's the John Henry of the grocery world. You know, people want to believe that after we leave this world and we go on to these surly heights of heaven and we, we ask ourselves, you know, what did I do while I was on earth? We want to make a mark. And, and that's what Arthur Bell's John Henry sings about. It's a song that encourages those individuals working in tune to the beat of the hammer, which you will hear in the song. The guys who are working to the beat of the hammer in the heat that, hey, someone just like you was doing this kind of work and they became legendary and subsequently you will become legendary. And that's the power of this song. It's one of the most powerful songs out there. I also like the Johnny Cash version, but since we don't have rights to that, we can't listen into that one. But Arthur Bell will listen to his song, and I enjoy his song, too, because it comes from original sources. Arthur Bell carried water with a chain gang in Louisiana, so he is absolutely a better source than anybody else we have on what it was like in those days. So let's listen in here. Well, every Monday morning when the bluebirds began to sing, you can hear those hammers a mile or more. You can hear John Henry hammering. Oh, Lord, hear John Henry hammering. John Henry told his old lady, Will you fix myself a soon? Got 90 miles of track. I got to line, got to line it by the light of the moon. Oh, Lord, line it by the light of the moon. John Henry had a little baby. He could hold him out in his hand. Well, the last word I heard that coach, I said, My daddy is a steel driving man. Oh, Lord, daddy is a steel driving man. John Henry told his old captain that a man ain't nothing but a man. Before I let those steel gang down, I will die with the hammers in my hand. Oh, Lord, die with the hammers in my hand. John Henry told his captain, next time you go to town, I just Bring me back a ten pound mold for the beach old seal driving down. Oh, Lord, beach old seal driving down. John Henry had an old lady, and her name was Polly Ann. John Henry took sick, and he had to go to bed. Pauline drove seal like a man. Oh, Lord, he drove seal like a man. John Henry had an old lady, and the dress she wore was red. When she started up the track, and she never looked back, wondering where my main fell is. Oh, Lord, where my main fell is. Well, it taken John Henry two white nuns, and they buried him in the sand. There is people from the east, there's people from the west. Come to see such a steel driving man. Oh, Lord, see such a steel driving man. Well, some say that he's from England, and some say he's from Spain. 
But I say nothing but a lose on a man, just a leader of the steel driving gang. Oh, Lord, leader of the steel driving gang.